Man, no one walks into a house and says, wow, that is a really cool foundation. Man, that foundation is the best I've ever seen, right? No one walks in and, and says that, okay? They, they want to compliment the furniture or the walls or the, you know, whatever it is. And so, but how many of you know, if your foundation is messed up, you've you got a rough way to live, okay? We found that out recently. Um, I had our, our house, the, the foundation was messed up, like our house was leaning on one side or the, or the other, and uh, it was not good. We had to call the people out. They had to come fix it up. Uh, not cheap, all that good stuff, okay? So it, it, was, it was not great. Now, don't go home and say, you know, my pastor built his home on not a firm foundation, okay? <laughs> like, I didn't build it, okay? So don't, <laughs> okay? That's not, but if you do not have a firm foundation, if your house is not built on a firm foundation, it doesn't matter uh, what you, uh, the color of the walls in the kitchen. It doesn't matter the nice vanity that you have there in your bathroom. It doesn't matter how the foyer looks. It doesn't matter. Give it some time, and it's going to crumble. And it's that firm foundation. Now, some of you are like, why, why aren't we talking about these things, you know, Pastor Adam? I mean, you know, you talk, a couple weeks ago you talked about the Bible, how we can believe the Bible. We know that we can believe in the Bible. And, and uh, last week and this week you're talking about the Trinity. Like you're talking to a bunch of Trinitarians here, Adam. I, I mean, we, we know the Trinity. We believe the Trinity. Why are you saying these obvious things? Why are you going through this stuff? Well, when obvious statements are not stated, they become less obvious. When obvious statements are not stated, they become less obvious. Can you imagine living in a country that doesn't know how to define a woman? Could you imagine living in that country? Could you imagine living in a place that will redefine what marriage is based on their feelings? Obvious statements that are not stated become less obvious. And we start moving into feeling territory. And what we're based on, and so we, we base the things uh, that we believe in on our feelings, and that is shifting sand. That will not stand. Our feelings change from day to day. So that is for all of us to hear, but especially teenagers, young people. Give me 10 seconds. Look at me in the face right now, okay? If you're a teenager. The reason why at your school that there are people who are scared and afraid and confused and don't know what to do is because they have built their foundation on what culture says or how they feel. You build your foundation on the Word of God. It is tried and true. It's been around a whole lot longer than their feelings and the culture has been. And it will be here a lot long after their feelings are over and the culture is gone. I think that was 13 seconds, but that's okay. Strong, committed followers of Jesus Christ with their foot set on a firm foundation. That's what I want to be. Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me, and he heard my cry. Listen, the culture and your friends are not waiting patiently to come and help you, and they're not going to come to you when you cry. The culture is not running to you. Your culture does not care. Okay? The Lord does. The Lord lifted you out of the pit, despair, the mud, and the mire. Your culture is not going to do that for you. He set my feet on solid ground, steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what He has done and be amazed, and they will put their trust in the Lord. And so I'm going to say some more obvious stuff today that you all know. 
but it's obvious things. Obvious statements not stated don't become so obvious anymore. Simple truths over and over, right? Simple truths over and over and over. We're looking at the Trinity. Last week, um, we looked at the doctrine of the Trinity. It is one what and three who's. One what and three who's. These are three true statements that affirm the Trinity. We found in Scripture last week, God is three persons. Each person is fully God, and there is one God. So if you have any questions or wondering about that, I would direct you to our YouTube page or our website. You can look at the sermon last week, and I go through thoroughly through Scripture all of those three things. You think, do those... Does that add up? It sure does when you look at Scripture, okay? So I direct you to our sermon last week so you can look at that. This week we are looking at not really our response, but how we are wrapped up in the Trinity. We say things like we need God, we need the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, right? And so today we're going to look at at us and how we need God this, okay? So if you have your Bibles, last week I was like all over the place, right? I think I read a verse from every book of the Bible almost, okay? Today, we're just going to be in Genesis 1, Ephesians 4, okay? So if you want to turn your Bibles, we have it on the screen for you, obviously, but we're going to be in the first couple of chapters of Genesis, Genesis 1, and then we're going to be in Ephesians 4, um, and then a couple in 5 and 6, okay? So Genesis 1, Ephesians 4 is what we're looking at. You can turn there. So where is the first indication in the Bible, that there is this thing called the Trinity. Probably somewhere in the New Testament, right? Actually, no, it's in Genesis. Not just is it in Genesis, it's in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Some of you are like, I know that verse. I've said it all my life. I know exactly what, I don't see the word Trinity in there. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That is a foundational verse for Christianity. Evolution is not a thing, okay? God created the heavens and the earth. Amen? Okay, good. Um, God created the heavens and the earth. And so this verse right here, uh, sometimes the English is not helpful. You know, the Bible was not written in English. The Bible was written in, in Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic. And so sometimes you have to look at the original words to, to help us out with a verse, okay? And so in, in this instance, we're going to look. English is not super helpful, but looking at it in the original Hebrew, it is, okay? So in Hebrew, that word God, so in the beginning, God created. We're looking at God created. Um, God, um, in the Hebrew, in this is Elohim, which if you look at that, is actually a plural form of the word God. You could say gods if, without m- much more information, okay? But it's the plural form of the word God. However, the word created is bara, and that is a verb that treats the subject, which is God, we're in English class, okay? This verb treats the subject, okay, bara, treats that word like it's singular. So it's the plural word for God, but created treats it like it's singular. So it's like this. We have this in English. I'll say, I am going to church. That sentence makes sense. I am going to church. But when you change that I, which is singular, to a plural form, and I say we, you don't say we am going to church, do you? The verb changes. We are going to church. I am going to church, we are going to church. So this verse actually makes it sound like we am going to church. So when the Hebrew readers read that, something was like, okay, either the grammar's wrong or there's something mysterious about this God. Something's going on here because it's the plural form, but the verb uses it 
like it's singular. So that doesn't prove the Trinity, but it proves that there is some plurality in God. That's good. If you were to move down a few verses, verse 26, we're going to read this. Then God said, let us, everybody say us, make mankind in our, everybody say our, image, in our, everybody say our, likeness. So God created mankind in his, everybody say his, own image, in the image of God, he, everybody say he, created them, male and female, and he, everybody say he, created them. There is plurality and singularity all in this one verse. You see that? Let us make him in our image. There's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Again, this doesn't prove the Trinity, but it proves that there is multiple inside the singularity, okay? And then as you go throughout the whole Bible, you read it, you realize, okay, it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Isn't that cool? So it says, let us, okay? Plurality in the singularity. Genesis chapter 2, a couple of verses later. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. So, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit made man in his image. Let's back up just a second. Made man in his image, okay? We talked about this, I talked about this several months ago in my Kingdom of God series, where we are the image of God. That doesn't mean we are God or little gods. That means we are the image of God. If you were to look into a mirror, that thing in the mirror that you're looking at is not you. That is the image of you, okay? You are you. That thing in the mirror is the image of you. And so when the world sees us, they should see God. Not because we are God, but because we are made in the image of God. We are that reflection of God out into the world. When the world sees us, they should see God. Because we are the image of God. So then, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, let's us make man and woman, which is very interesting, very interesting, very good. Man and woman in our image. So here, are, here we are in verse 7. He forms man from the dust of the ground. Uh, he is formed from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils. So this is important. So at first off, he forms us in, from the dust of the ground. So we come from the earth. There's a part of us that is physical. Uh, and so we come from the earth. The earth sustains our life because we need food from the earth. We need oxygen from the earth, okay? But our life did not come from the earth. We are from the earth, but our life comes from God when he breathed the breath of life into us. You see that? So we are connected to the ground, to the earth, because we're from it, but we don't get our life from it. We get our life from God, the breath of God. That's important. We'll come back to that. Verse 28, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now this is incredibly interesting because we just went through a whole chapter in the Bible in Genesis where God created stuff and it was all good. 
He created light, and it was good. And He created the ground, and it was good. And He created Saturn, and it was good. And He created the oak tree, and it was good. And He created the tiger, and it was good. And He created all these things, and it was good. And then He creates man, and He goes, that's not good. Wait, what? Do I not look good enough to you, God? <laughs> okay. Now, was the creation bad or not good? No. But we have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit created man to look like God and in his image. And he looked at man and said, this is not good. Something is not right. It is not good for man to be alone. I'll make a suitable mate for him. Now, some people think that God created humans because God was alone and he wanted someone to worship him. God was not alone. He is three persons in one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He is not alone. Man, when he was created, he didn't know he was alone. He didn't know what the word alone means. He's hanging out with bears. I don't know. And so climbing trees and whatever else. He doesn't know he's alone. But God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit creates man in the image. It's supposed to be a reflection, but he says this is not good. This is not good for a man to be alone. I will make a helper. Verse 21, so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs, closed up the place with flesh, and the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. So God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit wanted to make man in his image. So he created man, and then he created woman out of the man. We're getting closer to the image of God. Right? Verse 5, chapter 5. This is the written account of Adam's family line. When God created mankind, he made them in his likeness. He made them in his likeness. He created them male and female, blessed them, and he named them mankind. When they were created, when Adam lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image, and he named him Seth. So, Seth was made in the likeness of Adam, and Adam is made in the likeness of God, and so God, so Seth is made in the image of, in the likeness of God. You put two mirrors together, you can still see what's going on here, okay? So you've got God the Father, you've got God the Son, you've got God the Holy Spirit, and he made man, and this is not good that he is alone. So he, out of the man comes the woman, out of the man and the woman comes the child. And now we have the image of God. Triune God makes man in his triune image. God is the one that created that. Okay? So God is the one that created woman. It's not like Adam and God were over here and they created woman so that, you know, Adam could say, you know, this woman that you, you know, that we made, you know, she messed up again, you know? She can't say that. God's like, you were asleep, man, on the couch, like you always were, okay? You're asleep. You didn't do none of this, okay? You knew none of this. I made this, okay? You were asleep. I made this. So when God made man, we can't mess it up because we didn't make ourselves. God did. When God made marriage between man and a woman, remember, uh, the man leaves his mother and father, marries his wife, and they are joined together and they make one. So now there's two persons that make one. Well, God knows all about that. He knows all about plurality and singularity. 
And we want to come up with, you know, what, you know, I have my needs and I have my deals and, you know, she has her will and she has her needs and whatever. When God looks at us, he sees one. When the man and the woman come together and he created that. He created that. Why is marriage a big deal to God? Why is divorce a big deal to God? Because we were made in the image of God. The Trinity. This is how he set it up. He set us up so that when the world looks at even the family unit, they see God. Isn't that great? They see God. Then we look at, skip a couple of chapters, Genesis 9-6. Whoever sheds human blood by humans shall their blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made mankind. Why is murder a big deal to God? Because we are made in the image of God. Whether it is man, whether it is woman, or whether it is child, in or outside the womb, they are made in the image of God. The perfect image of a triune God, of our Trinity. Praise God. He set this up from the beginning. So an attack on marriage, an attack on the family, is an attack on God. Because we are made in the image. We are made in His image. We don't change definitions. We don't change what we are. We are what God has made us, and He has made us in His image. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, man, woman, and child, in the perfect image of God. So then it says... We are formed from the dust of the ground, but also we are formed with the, with the breath of God breathed into us, okay? So, as we were born from the, or made from uh, the ground, there, are, there is a part of us, and there will always be a part of us, that when we feel like we need fixed, or we have a problem, we have something going on, we want to solve it by world's means, worldly means, the earth's standards, okay? Because we came from the earth. And by the way, we will always have that. That temptation will always be in us because we come from the ground. So we can give ourselves a little bit of grace on stuff, okay? We give ourselves a little bit of grace when we are tempted to solve our problems with the world's ways. Now, temptation is not a sin. Acting out is a sin. But we can have some grace on that temptation because there's a part of us that wants the world to fix our problems. However, we have the breath of God living inside of us, and so there is a big part of us as well that wants to turn to an all-loving God to fix our problems. So, for instance, we have anxiety. We have concern. We have worry. We are troubled with something or in this life, and our tendency is to want to turn and get a cigarette or go drinking or overeat or go hang out with people to just take our mind off of these things. Why? Because there's a part of our being that goes back to the earth and wants the world to fix the problems that we have. And so we turn to worldly things. Now, once we've been regenerated through the Holy Spirit, He makes a new creation, we now have the choice to not choose those things, but to turn this way and say, When I have anxiety, when I have concern, when I have worry, when I have doubt, I pray, I read my Bible, I turn on some worship music and close my eyes for a little bit, I I call uh, my Christian friends, have them pray for me, talk with me. We solve our problems based on the Spirit, right? So, we don't turn... 
to our sinful nature. We turn to our godly nature, our heavenly nature. But we have that option either way. Man, woman, child has that option either way. So let's turn to Ephesians and let's see how this works out, okay? So Ephesians chapter 4, we'll start in verse 21. We've got our trinity. We are made in the image of God. And so this is what he says in Ephesians chapter 4. Now, some of you will remember that I used this verse a couple of weeks ago in the wrong context, in a bad context. I'm going to use this in the correct context right now, okay? Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful man. You remember that? Throw off your old sinful nature, your old man, and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. So there was a part of you in your former way of life that you wanted to solve your problems in the worldly fashion. Okay? That was driven by lust and deception. Lust is not just sexual. It's just something that you want more than anything else. You move other things to get that. Okay? So you turn to the world to solve your problems. He says, but you've met Jesus. You know that you don't have to do that. Throw off that old self, verse 23. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God. Truly righteous and holy. We are created to be, we are created to be like God, the image of God. When the world sees us, they should be able to see God because we are a reflection. We are at the image of God. So we, when we have, when, when, when life gets us down, when we have problems, other people are going to try to solve it the world's way. And we're going to have the temptation to go for a drink or to go for whatever it is, okay? Have the world solve our problems. We who know Jesus know that this is how we solve our problems, the actual author of our life the one who breathed life into us. We're made to be like him. These things are not like him, but these heavenly things are like him, and so we choose to turn this direction. Now, I had it planned in my notes to read you like 25 more verses. I'm not going to do that. I tried to fit it. It's just not going to work, okay? We have dinner plans, okay? So I can't be here all day. But the next several verses... The rest of that chapter and the whole next chapter, I was going to read the whole chapter. I was going to read everything, but I'm not. But go back and look at it because it goes back and forth between here's how the world does it and then here's how the Spirit does it. And so go back this afternoon or later and read it because it goes back and forth for several verses. It talks about stop telling lies, don't let the sin, uh, don't let sin, uh, letting, don't sin by letting anger control you. It gives a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Don't use foul or abusive language. Stop cussing. You sound idiotic. Okay? Um, be good and helpful. Uh, uh, be an encouragement to those who hear. All of these different things. Okay? Be tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as Christ gave you. Ephesians 5.1, imitate God. Why? Because you're a reflection. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, greed, uh, foolish talk, coarse jokes, all these different things. Okay? For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Okay? I just... I, Sped through 25 verses there, okay? Go back and read it because it's great. Let's skip to verse 18. And it'll, it'll, it'll give one example here, and then we'll go to this last part. Verse 18, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. That's pretty clear. 
Drunkenness is a sin. There you go, for those who are wondering. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. Give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's how he finishes that section right there. Give thanks to everything for God. And if you can't give thanks for it, then don't do it. We come over here and we do what the Spirit wants us to do. Now this next part, this next scripture that we're going to talk about, I want, I want us, you know this passage of scripture. Whether you've read it or not, you know it. Okay? Because it's, we're going to circle back to Genesis chapter 2 and 3. I want us to read this passage of scripture under the context that we have read it so far today. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit has made man, woman, and child. We are made in the image of God. Right? So as we are made in the image of God, we're going to read this next part with that as our context. Okay? So we have the Trinity as our context here as we read these next few verses. Okay? Are you ready? I don't know if you're ready, but here we go. Verse 21. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So there's a certain level of submitting to each other. Verse 22. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of, the, of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Alright, that's a man's favorite verse in the Bible, so go ahead and get your laughs out, okay? We're going to look at this biblically. <clears throat> now, this isn't a marriage seminar today, okay? So I'm not, like, taking a deep dive. Maybe that'll come, okay? The context today is the Trinity, okay? The context today is the Trinity. I have much to say on this, but we're going to stick on point here, okay? In the context of the Trinity, there is submission that goes this way. Now, there are roles that are inside the Trinity, just as there are roles inside the marriage, and their family. There are roles that both of them have. We're to, the first verse says to submit to one another, okay? But in these roles, this doesn't mean that one is higher than the other, or greater, or better, or whatever. It means that they play different roles. In the Trinity, you've got God the Father that seems to be the planner, the orchestrator, the organizer of everything. You've got God the Son, who is the Messiah and the Savior. He's the one that came down. And then you've got the Holy Spirit, the one that fills us up now, regenerates us, gives us power, that sort of thing. It was not God the Father on the cross. Okay? It was not God the Son there at Pentecost. That was the Holy Spirit. Okay? So they have different roles. None is less than the other. So God the Father sent the Son into the world, and the Son submitted to the will of the Father. The Holy Spirit was sent by God the Father and submitted to the will of the Holy Spirit. It's not authority in the sense that He's higher. That would make Jesus a lesser God. That's not true. Okay? They are the same. They perform different roles. Same thing in the marriage as well. When we come together, we are the same. We perform different roles. And that's one of the roles, and there's other places where we can look at other roles of wives and husbands. But in this context, in this verse, that is one of the roles for the wives. 
Now, let's look at husbands. Verse 25. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. See, men love to talk about submission. They don't want to talk about responsibility. Men have responsibility, and it is their responsibility in the marriage home. When there is something wrong in the house, it's not, well, she'll figure it out. It is your responsibility. It's not necessarily damsel in distress. That's not what I'm saying either. But when there's something going on in the house, men, step up. Step up. Okay? That's what he's saying. Verse 28. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. So we can't just, you know, well, this is what I want to do. This is my will. This is my thing. You love your wife like you love your own body because God the Father loved God the Son and the Holy Spirit just as he loved himself. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church and we are members of his body. As Christ loves the church, that's another example in this, as Christ loved the church, he gave his life up for us, the church. We as husbands give up our life for our family as well. If things aren't going right, take some time off and get that right. Making a a few extra bucks, we'll we'll figure that out later. But if something's not going right, we've got to fix this. Because there is perfect unity and harmony and love and relationship within the Trinity. And we are the image of that Trinity. And so if something is not loving and harmonious and in unity... Something's wrong and it needs to be fixed. And so we stop everything else until that's fixed. We love each other in that way. Why is that? As the scriptures say, as a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, the two are united into one. Trinity, God knows all about that. This is a great mystery. So there's some concession that we're not going to get it the first time. Okay? This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. There is a mutual love and harmony in the Trinity. There, is a mutual, there must be a mutual love and harmony and relationship in marriage. And we have to constantly work on that. Have to constantly work on that. Okay? Listen, you go and you take your car in for an oil change. There's nothing wrong with the car. you just got to work on it. If you don't work on it, there will be something wrong with the car. you got to work on it. you got to look each other in the eye and say, let's work on this together because I love you. There's perfect harmony in the Trinity. There needs to be perfect harmony in our marriage. And that's why, that's why you know, marriage is more than just love and how you feel. It is a commitment before God who created marriage. It is sacred. It is sacred. And so we work on that. Now we go to children. Where are the kids at? Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord for this is the right thing to do. So obey your parents because they're good to you. Obey your parents because, you know, we're Christian and we're in front of other people. No, no, no. It's not even about them. Obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. 
The connection is to the Lord. Obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have long life on this earth. Honor your father and mother. By the way, there's no expiration date on that. It's not like 18 or 22 when you leave the house. There are some 60-year-olds in the room that need to honor their mother and father. And by the way, that doesn't stop when they're gone. If you have a mother and father who is gone, when you speak about them to other people, you honor them. Because they're not gone, are they? We're going to see them one day. So we honor our father and mother, whether we're six or 60. We honor our father and mother. Why? Because there's honor within the Godhead. There's honor there. And there's, a, there's that perfect relationship. Finally, verse 4. Let's hit fathers again. Why not? Here we go. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and the instruction that comes from the Lord. Fathers, if there is something wrong in the house with the kids, that's not mama's fault. You have the responsibility. You both have the responsibility. But the Bible calls you out specifically. Do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. There is harmony in the Godhead. There is harmony in the house. And if there's not, then we drop everything to work on that because we are the image of God and the perfect reflection of that. Church, if we could get this, if we could, when we think, if we could get to the point where we're thinking about the family unit the way we think about the Trinity and how there is love and relationship and harmony there, where can we go in our life? How can God use us? How can we love each other as husbands, wives, kids, moms, dads? Wow, can we grow in the Lord. Worship team, come on up. Come on up. We've got to end. I am so grateful and thankful for the Trinity. Three persons. Three who's, one what. Three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All three are fully God, and then there is one God. And he has given us this gift of marriage and family to perfectly reflect him. So we've got to to do that, and we've got to pray for that. So if you would stand this morning, we're going to pray. We're going to sing a song. But before we sing a song, I want you to pray, and I want you to pray for your family. And specifically, I feel burdened to pray for marriages today. Now, I realize not everybody in the room is married. Not, not every prayer time is for everybody. But we, you do have marriages that you are close to. So pray for them. But if you are in the room and you are next to your husband and wife, I want you to take them by the hand or put your arm around them. Maybe you're sitting with your kids. You can take your kid's hand, put your arm around them, pray for the family. For a minute, I want you to begin to pray for your husband Pray for your wife. If your kids are there, pray for your son. Pray for your daughter. To strengthen that unity. To strengthen these relationships. Go ahead, go ahead right now. Begin to pray. Hold her hand. Put your arm around her. Begin to pray. Pray that you would be both loving husband, loving wife to each other. That you give yourself to each other. That you love and respect each other. Similar to as the Trinity does.
similar to. God, help us to be the perfect image of you. God, I pray for our families that are under attack. They are just simply under attack today. And it's not, it's not by people or a person. We wrestle not with flesh and blood. It's against powers and principalities. It is the evil one of this world who hates God, first of all, and then hates God's creation. In any way he can disrupt and destroy God, he'll get to God through his children. So he will do all he can to wreck marriages, to wreck the relationship between kids and parents, brothers and sisters. He will do anything he can to disrupt this because an attack on the family really is an attack on the Trinity. And he hates God and he's coming. The evil one, Satan, is coming for our families. God, I pray that our families stand on a firm foundation. That yeah, the wind's going to blow. Yep, the streams are going to rise. And yep, there's going to be rain in our lives from time to time. But we are standing on a firm foundation of Jesus Christ. God, I pray that men be men and women be women. And that children be children of God. That men are men of God, that women are women of God, and that children are children of God. God, I pray for marriages here today. I pray for families here today. Families that are under attack. God, I pray that your love and your grace. Lord, we don't don't look to earthly fixes that put band-aids on problems. They're helpful for the day, maybe. Lord, it's a band-aid on the problem. God, We go to the author of life, the one that breathed life into us, that stood there and said, it's not good that man is alone. It's not good. So we bring woman, join them together, make them one. Out of man and woman come children. And that is good. That is good. And I lift up our families this morning. Lift up our families to you this morning. God, in the name of Jesus, pray that there will be love and unity in our houses. When there is a strong family that adequately represents and and is the image of God, oh man, that turns into a, a church that mobilizes and can do the mission of God. We are all working together in perfect harmony. God, we pray for that, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Pray for your husband. Pray for your wife. Pray for your children as we continue to worship the Lord and sing this morning. Hallelujah. God, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for your presence here today. wonderful, sweet presence. This is what we come to the house of the Lord for. To see your people, to hear your word, to lift our voices to the Lord, but to know that we are standing on a firm foundation here in your presence. How we come to your house. We come to your house, God. To lift you up and to praise you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, God, for every man, woman, and child that is here today. Those watching online, God, we pray for marriages. Pray for kids, moms, dads. Pray for the family unit that you created, that you made, that we can't miss up. You made it. And I pray for the family unit here today, God. 